0: Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church.
1: Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And the Kingdom of God was the salvation of the people. It was the solution given to us by Christ. And people are always looking for solutions for problems that occur in this life. And sometimes they're looking for solutions of uh, finding some sort of afterlife where everything is going to be great because things are so hard in this life. And there's a certain mental dynamic if you have hope Things are better for you now. But if you have fear, anxiety, uh, stress, things are worse for you now. We see this in the psychology of mankind in the way psychology is just the study of how we think. And, of course, repentance is, by definition, thinking a different way than we think right now. So... The psychology of repentance is a quest for hope and life and understanding and what, you know, Christ is the truth, the way and the life. And what he came to show us was this way to the truth, the way and the life, to this hope in our existence that will make our lives better now and for whatever afterlife may come after death, whether it's in the form of our spiritual, personal spiritual life or the life we leave behind. There's something in the dynamics of creation where we see life. I mean, there are planets out there that we see and and uh, moons that we see, and there doesn't seem to be any life on those places. But here on this earth, life is abundant. And life goes on because of the fact that we reproduce life. We pass life on to our children and to our neighbor's children, to our communities, to our societies, and to our nations, and to the world in general. Or we take life away from our family, from our neighbor's family, from our community, and from the world in general. The way of Christ is to give life, to lay down your life for your fellow man so that you may pick up life more abundant. The life on this planet exists because the life on this planet has a tendency to lay down its life for others you see it in wildlife you see it in all aspects not just one species you know we see you know uh uh we saw uh ravens attacking uh owls because owls were nesting in the raven's tree actually in the raven's nest and the owl will eat the young i mean uh, of the the ravens and other birds so they don't like owls cuz they they operate in the dark. They can see in the dark. And they are a danger to their families in the dark. So they try to drive the owls away. And the owls have developed an ability to just kind of sit it out and wait. Uh, but they're predators. And uh, that's the way it is often in life. There are predators. There are those who take advantage of others so that they will have life more abundant. And then there are the way those who think like Christ who lay down their life for others so that they may pick up their life and have more abundance. So where is hope? Well, of course, the predator has hope that he will be able to stalk and hunt and kill and take the life of others. But the Christian has a different kind of hope. He has a hope of life more abundant And he knows that that comes by the example of Christ when we are willing to lay down our lives for others. But Christ is not asking us to all go out and jump on a grenade somewhere so that others can live. We are to be as wise as the serpent, but as harmless as doves. And so I just sent out a post to our network, and I shared with a few people on Facebook and the local community that we were going to talk about the coronavirus today. But of course what we're really talking about is the kingdom of God and we're just using news events that are taking place now in the lives of people to try to show you how the kingdom of God operates as opposed to the kingdoms of the world and how they operate. Because we're not to be of the world according to Christ. He says to his disciples especially, and we'll we'll just touch on this briefly. We have lots of articles. Actually, I just posted some more articles under our on our web pages at preparing you about why we congregate. And I'm going to be in the future, hopefully, if I get the time, to be moving some of those articles in a specifically Christian approach over to hisholychurch.org. We have an abundance of articles at hisholychurch.org now that will tell you a lot about the keys of the kingdom. But we are put preparing you so that we can kind of bring the kingdom down to a a thinner slice. We serve meat here at His Holy Church. And so, therefore, sometimes we have to slice the meat a little thinner so that people can chew on it a while because the gospel of the kingdom as preached by christ is much 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 different than the gospel being preached in the modern church now that was predicted back in those days that there would be this strong delusion and that people would creep in and deceive many and that uh, you know many will be called but few will be chosen because many are actually engaged in covetous practices. Covetous practice by nature is not that you're laying down your life for others, but you're desiring to have more life abundant by taking from others. Now, of course, stealing is against the Ten Commandments, and Christ never said that stealing was okay if, as long as you believe in me. Yeah, That's not what Paul is saying. Clearly, that's not what Paul is saying. Although, there are many preachers out there saying, Oh, you can keep on sinning. You just have to believe in Jesus. If you keep on sinning, that's evidence you do not believe in Jesus. Because Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you're not keeping his commandments, then you do not really love him. That's evidence for you so that you know you have need of repentance. You have need of thinking differently. Now, there are many people who will tickle your ears and tell you, give you false hope that you are saved because you think a particular thought about an image of Jesus given to you by the same ear ticklers. But Jesus' true image is may be quite different than what you're hearing in your churches, in the news, in your books, in, in your home churches even. And the enticing of people with great swelling words about Jesus, about the world, about life in general, can actually be covering the fact That you are being mentally poisoned, spiritually poisoned, spiritually and mentally led away from the gospel of the kingdom while thinking you actually believe in Jesus. Jesus said very clearly, many shall say they have come in my name. They will profess Christ. He's not saying a few. He says many will say they're professing him and actually they are workers of iniquity and he's going to say, get ye from me. You want to make sure that you're not one of those people who think they're Christians but are actually workers of iniquity. And, of course, there's lots of evidence in the Bible, right in the text. It's right in front of us. A lot of us don't see it because we sit ...in darkness today... ...in many of our churches... ...I would actually say most of our churches... ...that are out there professing Christ... ...are actually sitting in darkness... ...or at least seeing the kingdom dimly... ...as Paul says... ...that we were looking through... ...a glass dimly... ...we can't really see... What is the gospel of the kingdom? And so, we have glad tidings, but to those who do not want to see the truth, what we have may upset you. But that's why we've created these websites and written these books that you can download for free. You don't have to, you know, uh, we, you know occasionally people buy some of our audios, but all of our audios are on online for free at keys of the kingdom podcast and keys of the kingdom dot info and and you just go to those basic websites of preparing you and and uh his holy church dot org and you can find a, a plethora of information about the keys of the kingdom and about the kingdom and the gospel of the kingdom that's what it was called in the bible the gospel of the kingdom What a lot of people don't realize somebody was just talking on a home church group and I was sharing with them. I, I think they, they don't, they don't hardly, of course I I do this all the time. I'll see somebody will call me, my attention to some sort of conversation on the internet, uh, on Facebook or wherever. And they're going back and forth on a particular subject and I'm looking at, I go, I actually usually try to read as many of their comments as possible. And they're just going back and forth, and everybody's sharing something or telling something or making a comment. And then I'll put in a post, and it all stops. They stop conversing. And I, I I find that fascinating. I noticed it a number of years ago, and I thought, like, so what is it that I said that stopped the conversation? I was trying to encourage the conversation. But actually, I, I believe what's happening is I'm getting to the heart of the matter And, of course, we present facts. You know, and facts do matter. And we uh, present facts about the Bible, about the words of Jesus Christ. We put Jesus back in the context of Jesus. We even put Paul in the context of Paul, but always Paul in the context of Jesus. Because that's what Paul is telling us. I preach Christ first. But unfortunately, when people hear that statement, they think, oh, yeah, I know Christ because my pastor preaches Christ. Well, he mentions Christ, but if he's not telling you the whole truth about Christ, he's not really preaching Christ. He's preaching something less than the whole Christ. And if Christ is the truth and the way and the light, if he's not preaching to you the whole truth, The whole way and the whole life then he is preaching you a lie because that's the definition of a lie if it's not the whole truth and nothing but the truth it's a lie and so we want you to know the whole truth do we know the whole truth we seek to know the whole truth We seek the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. We seek the gospel of the kingdom. And, you know, if you see things that we do not see, we want you to share them with us. The same as we are compelled by faith to share with you things that we see that the modern Christian often is missing. Now, a lot of people will say that's a bold statement, but... You can see that we're talking about things that most churches don't talk about. So anyway, what we said was that we were going to talk about the coronavirus. I I actually have a little bit of a cough left over for when I had a virus several weeks ago, and uh, when I get to talking a great deal, sometimes uh, I, I feel that, that that little and cough that congestion up a little bit that's still left over. But I've learned a lot in the process of having this uh, virus that I can't say for sure was the coronavirus. But, uh, and and part of that is even if I went down and got tested for coronavirus now, that to see if I had had it, the tests that are now being given won't tell you if you had it. It can only talk about the live virus And the reality is the tests that they're giving now are not as accurate as a lot of people would like to think. And we'll get into that eventually, too. We'll show you from virologists, from scientists, what they're saying about the test, what they're saying about the coronavirus. They're actually looking at statistics. We're seeing a lot of information coming in the news And when we go to the experts, the actual guys out there where the rubber meets the road, the guys who have been in this for years and years, and we compare what they're saying with what we're hearing on the news, we're getting a decidedly different story, which is very common to us because we get a decidedly different story from the Bible than we're getting from the people who say they know the Bible and are teaching modern Christians what they need to do. To be Christians. Because you need to do something to be Christians. You can't just save yourself with a personal thought or idea about Christ. That's, that's idolatry. You create an image of Christ in your mind. And then you serve that image. But if that image is inaccurate. It's not the real Christ. It's not wholly the truth that Christ came to give us then you will be led into a strong delusion and you may find that you are actually a worker of iniquity. And we'll go back to what we said at the beginning. Are you giving life or are you taking life away? And that's going to be very important for your soul, your mind, your life, And the life of all those people you come in contact with out there in the world today. So when Christ told his disciples they were not to be of the world, what did he mean? Well, he used a particular, we see a particular Greek word in the Bible that he used in that instance, And that Greek word means constitutional order or system of government. That's right in the definition of that Greek word. That's what he used. Other times he used Greek words that meant inhabited places, and they translate that into world. Other times he used words that mean uh, different things other than constitutional order and system of government. So it's important to know when he used what word. Sometimes he used a word that just means age a period of time, you know, in our age or in the age to come, in the world to come. or the, Every time he talks about the destruction of the world, he's not talking about the planet. He's not using a word that means planet. He's not even always using a word that could mean constitutional order or system of government. He's using a word that means an age, the end of an age. And, of course, what happens at the end of an age? Another age now they they go and they take another quote from the bible that that talks about a new heaven and a new earth, and they think that the world will be destroyed, and God will make it a whole new planet and and it was a new sky and all this stuff after the flood, there was a new earth, there was sea, and then there was earth. guess <laughs> the sea dried up, and that's a new earth from a certain point of view. It wasn't a new planet, same planet. But there was a drastic change in what we see as the planet. And there was even evidently a new heaven, a new sky up above. Because now, according to the text, we're seeing rainbows. And of course, rainbows are just a refraction of light through the atmosphere. And there is quite a bit of geological evidence that the atmosphere of the planet drastically changed during some of the geological events of the planet, and we could go into all that, the reasons why there's, a, I mean, a lot of evidence. There's a lot of things that people talk about that they think is science, but there's really very little evidence for it, but it's a theory, and, you know, some of those theories may be somewhat accurate, some of those theories may be completely wrong, because if you look back in the history of science, we had lots of theories that now have no precedence in science whatsoever we say oh well we used to think that you know like the aurora borealis i've seen the school books in my uncle's uh one room schoolhouse where he attended school and the school books were telling him when he was a boy that the aurora borealis was caused by the reflection of sunlight off of the solar polar caps you know, the sun would hit the snow and then go up into the sky and create the aurora borealis. That's what it said in his science book when he was going to school back in the, in the thirties. But we know now that that's not what causes the aurora borealis. Well, that's a kind of a simple thing. It was something, that, you know, cause I was talking to my uncle when I was working on wheat farms out in North Dakota, uh, back when I was a young fellow, uh, over 50 years ago and uh that was you know i mentioned the cause of the aurora because he sees the aurora up there in north dakota he's in the north part of north dakota and uh he's, he says well no that's not from what i was telling him that's from the sun reflecting he still had that idea in his mind you know 40 years later after school because that was what he was taught And that's what he believed because that's what he taught. And he had believed it for a long time. And here I'm talking about it. And I was kind of shocked that that's what he thought the Aurora was. Later on, we we went over with my cousin into the schoolhouse. And there were some books there. And sure enough, I looked it up. And I could see that that's what they taught him. It was hard to change his mind. You know, I I had lots of facts, and he eventually seemed to agree with me, but he was slow to agree with me because it was not what he learned. We see that every day here at his holy church because we're sharing information with you. A lot of you have not been taught, and some of the information you have been taught is the opposite of what we're now saying. So that's why we've written all these books and and put up these hundreds of web pages and, and hundreds and hundreds of audios to try to introduce this other information. That's why we have thousands of footnotes so you can find out that what we're saying is based on fact. What we say about the gospel of the kingdom in Christ is based on what Christ actually said in the context of Christ, in the context of the time in which Christ said it, and how it connects and is uniform with everything that Christ said, including everything that God has said in the Old Testament, but was often and regularly and consistently mistaught by some of the people like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Zealots as well as those who have accepted those ideas today and are called Protestants and Baptists or Methodists or what have you, all these different Catholics or Jehovah Witnesses, they have fallen prey to some of those false teachings of the Pharisees. And that's because when people were trying to translate the Bible or or now translate the Bible into English, they depended often on the Mesoretic texts of, of Jews that ha, were still accepting the philosophies of the Pharisees that were wrong. Everything the Pharisees said weren't wrong, but some of the things they were saying was absolutely wrong. We'll get into that in the coronavirus when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So anyway, I introduced the idea that there might be many things that uh we are uh, going to share with you that are contradictory to what you have been told before and uh we're just investigating and we're finding out information uh sometimes it's between the lines of the very reports that are misleading you because they'll they'll say oh this is this is a terrible thing and you know be afraid and and get all worked up and get excited and and it's because this, this, and this, and this. And then we lay out their reasons, and we find out they don't connect with all the facts. They they actually, you know, for one thing, everybody's talking about this extreme danger of this virus. And, uh, you know, coronavirus. And uh, they talk about this great threat to society. Going to kill millions and millions of people. But when you actually look into the flow of data from even from Italy and certainly from China and now from the United States, none of the data that is out there is following the computer program predictions of this virus. It's not spreading quite the way they said it was going to spread. It's not affecting the people quite the way they said it was going, you know, with millions dying. It, It doesn't seem to be measuring up to their predictions. Their predictions appear to be wrong. And, of course, wherever you have somebody programming in data, there's somebody else programming in the same data or more of the data available. And putting it into computer programs. And of course those computer programs that are creating these predictions are created by people. And they may be accurately put together. They may be really good predicting programs or they may not be so good. It's like kind of like global warming. There, there are a number of, uh, models that were put out there that were saying that the global warming would take place at this stage. And that, this is, this is now 20 years old or more in some cases, talking about this global warming. If you get back to the 1970s, they were predicting global cooling, but now they've made new models, and they've taken new tests, and they've got new numbers, and they're saying we're going to have global warming. The problem is is that almost all of those computer programs talking about global warming are not measuring up to what they predicted. What's actually happening is not actually measuring up with what they're predicting, but the belief in global warming has become a religious belief to even question it with facts is now you know your global your your weather denier uh, climate denier and that's just not the case i I believe there is climate i believe it does change and i believe there's we live in a cause and effect universe but I also don't believe all the models because they are proven to be inaccurate. So what is really going on? There is more carbon than there, is, there was a while ago. There, there have been times in the history of the Earth that we know there was more carbon than there is now, far more carbon. And life didn't end on the planet. As a matter of fact, life increased on the planet. Some of that data is back when the atmosphere was much different than it is today. So you have to take in all these different facts. And this is one of the things that a lot of these models don't do is they don't take in all the different facts. And that's when they talk about the coronavirus and deaths, they're not giving you the facts. They're giving you some facts. They're giving you some statistics. But they're not giving you all the facts. So anyway, I've put down a few quotes like here, federal and state governments are making a massive gamble about a little understood new virus, they may not only be betting our entire economy, but our nation's future on what they believe is going to be happening with this virus. Uh, Thus, it's imperative that they not make foolish choices. And I believe in many cases they may be, but you're, you're just going to have to decide yourself. The current gamble seems to be to shut down the nation indefinitely to suppress a virus that is especially deadly to some demographics and experts agree cannot be contained, only slowed. So all this, all these thousands of businesses being shut down, Tens of thousands of people losing their source of livelihood. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people being economically damaged and injured by the commands of the government to shut down all these businesses and to stop all this activity. Uh, is actually not going to stop the virus. They're not saying this is going to stop the virus it's just going to slow it down everybody is going to get exposed one way or another to this virus and uh, eventually it's but they're slowing it down by these drastic economic measures now there are a lot of other factors that take place because they've taken these drastic uh, measures and because the media is reporting this Dire threat of the coronavirus, and uh, so we have to take a lot of that and put it together so that all the facts connect up and give us a clear picture of what's actually taking taking place. And so we have these officials' uh, decisions, and and some of the information I'm getting is from like the Imperial College in London. Is talking about the dangers of this and the need for quarantine. To contain the virus, it will be necessary to quarantine Americans for two to three months. Stretches. Now, that's interesting that they add the word stretches in plural. Two to three months stretches. So... You get through this, you know, they talk about shutting the schools down for an extra week, and then now they're talking about extending it, and before they even say that we can all go back to school and go back to uh, uh, businesses and open up businesses, they already have plans to shut down the national parks for several weeks and months after those, the present restrictions are supposedly going to be lifted. So what is that? You know the shutting for one thing, shutting down the national parks you know if people just act with a certain amount of precaution, there's a great deal of evidence that uh you're not likely to get the disease in national park situations. You're usually camping more than six feet from the people next to you, <laughs> and uh if you're camping outdoors, especially during the summertime the the transmission of the virus will decrease rapidly. And because, you know, the virus doesn't live very long on most surfaces. On stainless steel surfaces inside buildings where there's no sunlight, you know, the very reason we have stainless steel is supposed to be cleaner. Well, of course, you can clean it easier. But the fact is, is that the life expectancy, and I I use that word loosely, life expectancy, uh, let's say, put it this way, viability of a virus, because it really isn't alive, and we'll talk about that more. The viability of a virus to contaminate somebody lasts longer on stainless steel than it does on almost any other uh, object. One of the reasons why is the stainless steel usually will remain colder. Now, if you put the stainless steel out in the sunlight, it won't last as long. But if you have it in a building, it will last a long time. There's a lot of things that, uh, about viruses that they break down and become unviable, uh, no longer even recognizable as virus. A virus is just like a string of DNA and RNA and, uh, it's, it doesn't have any life of its own. It, it's not actually alive. It's, it's like, uh, a, a complex substance and it's created by other living things like you or pigs or bats or you know there's a type A virus and there's a type B virus type B viruses seem to be only in people and most of the time when you get a flu virus it's not type B that's it's type B is a far more rare is 3 times more likely to be a type A virus the corona is a type A virus and uh, so it it has probably originated with some animals like pigs or waterfowls or both and uh, eventually ended up in humans. And, of course, it could end up in bats and other animals as well. But it changes and then ends up in a human, and a human replicates that virus. It doesn't really reproduce it. You know, we talked about reproduction. Life on this planet reproduces. Viruses aren't alive they have no homeostasis they 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 are have no they don't create their own environment they don't reproduce themselves we reproduce them and i equated a virus with a lie you know a lie does not recreate itself it doesn't even create itself it doesn't reproduce itself it needs another person to accept that lie And then that person goes out and reproduces that lie. Tells somebody else that lie. So that's the nature of a virus. It's the nature of a lie. So when there are people actually out there saying viruses don't really exist. Well, they may not exist as we often think of them. Like that virus is reproducing in me and it's making me sick. Most of what you uh, experience in a virus... That makes you what we call sick. It's not the virus that is doing the damage. You're doing the damage to yourself by the way in which your body is reacting to the virus. For instance, and we'll get into this more depth too, but uh, most of the people that die from virus, you know, what's the average age of people who die from virus? What was the average age of people who died from bubonic plague? A bubonic plague was actually caused by a virus uh, and a bacteria, actually, more than a virus, but a bacteria. But it was a bacteria in a flea, and the flea was on a rat, and the rat was the carrier, and then you get bit by the flea, and then you get the disease, and you die from bubonic plague. Well, a small child could be bit by a flea. An adult could be bit by the flea. And so the average age of people who died from the Black Plague was the average age of the people. But the average age of the people who died from coronavirus is 82. So for the average age to be 82, you would have to take the youngest people that die plus the oldest people that die and average that out. And it doesn't come to 40 It comes to 82, so it's very clear that most of the people that die are more than 82 years of age. Now, it doesn't mean that if you're 90 or 98 or 103, that you're going to die if you get the coronavirus. There's other factors. Almost 99% of the people who have died from coronavirus, this is their statistics, that they don't tell you on the news, are people that already have compromised immune systems, either because of age or age. and Most of the people who die from it have at least three different things going on in their body that compromises their immune system. Most of the people, the majority of those who die from coronavirus already have three major Things wrong with their bodies and their immune system that puts them into danger. I mean, people talk about diabetics who are more vulnerable. Well, what diabetics? You know, when people throw out these figures, it scares everybody who's a diabetic. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get a coronavirus and die. No. There are some diabetics that are getting limbs cut off because they're in such bad shape. There are some diabetics who are already on dialysis because their kidneys have shut down. These are the ones, the more things you have wrong with your system, your life system, this body we live in as spiritual creatures, the more vulnerable you are. We should be focusing on protecting those people because we want to give life. But small children, aren't very vulnerable. People who are 20 years old are not very vulnerable. People who are 30 years old, 39 years old, are not very vulnerable. It's less than 1% of them even show evidence of ever even getting the coronavirus, yet many of them are exposed and do get it, but they, they don't get sick. Most of the people who get the virus will show no symptoms. While they have it, they could contaminate other people. But they are much less likely to contaminate other people. It's the people who get really sick and are running fevers. And usually when you're running a fever, that's a good time where you can contaminate other people. But is it possible that the people who get sick get better or get exposed, get the virus, get better? can actually extend immunity to the people around them? Can the cellular communication that is taking place in their body, telling, you know, awakening all of their cells to not replicate this virus, because that's what's going on in their body. Their body knows not to replicate this virus and has a natural, actually they have several layers of natural defense against this virus. They're actually can, could they produce antigens that could be spread to other people so that their body will actually begin to produce the same antigen? I mean, that's what vaccines are. Vaccines are a portion or, or, or or elements of the same DNA and RNA factors in a vaccine, supposedly broke down so that you can't get sick. That's not always the case. Uh, and they inject it in you so that your body has a reaction and produces the antigens necessary to keep you healthy. That's the, that's the principle of, of real vaccinations. Now, the reality is, is the reason they even came up with the idea of vaccinations is they found that milkmaids were not getting the smallpox. And they were not getting the smallpox because they were handling cows. They were milking cows. They are milkmaids. And cows got a thing called cowpox, which is similar to smallpox, and it actually caused their bodies. They didn't get cowpox, because that, that's a disease for cows, but they got in a natural immunity by their contact with the cows against smallpox. They, by milking the cows, they were getting vaccinated. <laughs> so that's, that's a good thing. And that's a natural thing, and that's the way nature works. And how many other cases of that can actually be taken into consideration? How many other antigens does our body produce that protects us from disease that we got from, say, pets? Well, that's actually very possible that there are many diseases that we have. Because some of these diseases, some of these things go through other, you know, like if you eat certain foods... You may develop an immunity. I mean, when you suck at your mother's breast as a child, that child is getting antigens that are going to protect it from disease. The mother is passing on to that child with her own bodily fluids protection from disease. And then what you want is that child to develop a robust immune system, by exposure and overcoming that it gets healthy and uh, and we won't go into all of it right now, but you know we've talked about it before when Europeans came over here, eighty percent, some say as many as ninety percent of the American Indian population died off eventually from many of the diseases that they brought over. Now, many of the Europeans died from diseases that were here. So it was a two-way street, but why did the Europeans do so well, and the Indians were so devastated by this interaction of these two separately grown cultures and and uh, biogenomes, where the Indians suffered immense losses and the Europeans suffered losses, but not so much to wipe out all the Europeans. And we could go into that in great detail and have in some other programs. But the reality was, is Europeans had already gone through their great die-offs. They had already had the bubonic plague and other plagues and smallpox and everything that ran through society and wiped out large, large sections of the European population because of these diseases that came through. What you had left were people that could develop robust immune systems and survive the introduction of new bacteria and new diseases, new viruses. That's what you want in your societies. You want herd immunity in your natural society where people are naturally immune or can develop an immunity to any new virus that comes along. That makes life more abundant in your society because you're less likely to be vulnerable to the next disease that comes along, which can have a devastating effect on life on this planet, usually one species at a time. But now with all this uh, uh, genetically modified organisms out there, I, I believe you'll see more jumping of diseases from one species to the next. Because you're blending the genetics of different species. There's a lot of other problems with that. But anyway, so we're seeing that this virus that they're talking about to to contain the virus, it will be necessary to quarantine America over the next 18 months. That's over a year. They're talking about quarantining you, shutting down restaurants, shutting down businesses. This is a massive change does the death rate of the coronavirus warrant this we see that you know less than a percentage point of uh young people uh, and i say young people anybody under 40 are even going to get get the virus and show symptoms now the reality is what we see from that uh that princess cruise where a lot of people got it they they were able they had a closed environment and they tested these people Half of the people, more than half of the people got the virus never even showed symptoms. They didn't even get sick. Now, the symptoms you're seeing is your immune system fighting this virus. It's not the virus killing you. It's you killing you because your body is overreacting or it needs to overreact. In some cases, that's actually what's taking place uh, because of the fact that your infection rate goes way up because you're very vulnerable. There's a difference between an 8-year-old and an 80-year-old. The body begins to degenerate as we get to be a certain age. It seems to be built in uh, all almost all animals age. There are a few animals that actually don't age. <laughs> very very uh uh small uh simple animals and they they don't seem to age. But uh that there's almost none of those and we've talked about those before, but the reality is, is this uh, uh, this this strategy that they're bringing up is only mitigating it. So it's not going to stop it. It's going to slow it down. For this society to really become healthy concerning the virus, the coronavirus or any virus, there's a dozen viruses out there that are traveling around as flu viruses and making people sick, and they do this every year, thousands. Tens of thousands of people die every year from viruses. Thirty-five to 40,000 people die. You know, uh, t- uh, tens and tens and tens of thousands of people get the virus. Most of them show almost no sign that they got sick. You know, they get a little fever one night, a little runny nose, and they're back at work the next day. Uh, or maybe 24-hour flu, they call it. These are these are viruses just like the coronavirus in many ways going around and when you get a virus vaccination that may only include a vaccination for two of these viruses maybe three at the most and which ones they're used they're just guessing which ones they think are going to be most common traveling around in society and chances are you could get another, another virus that isn't that flu virus and you had no protection from the vaccine what a recent study came out and uh, I actually have that study linked right here I can I can tell you what what, what it says in there but uh, in 2017 2018 a study published uh in the prestigious journal called vaccine so you can go look this up uh it, which is a peer reviewed medical journal revealed that flu vaccines may increase the risk of infection From other respiratory viruses, including coronavirus, which is a phenomenon known in the medical institution and virologists as virus interference. So getting the flu shot, this is their, they're saying this, this is the magazine Vaccine, peer reviewed magazine is saying getting the flu shot may actually make you more vulnerable to the coronavirus, or other respiratory. Coronavirus is a respiratory virus. It, it gets into your respiratory system. So, the idea that everybody needs to get a flu vaccine is not necessarily going to help you. It actually may make you more vulnerable based on scientific information that is in peer-reviewed papers. So, you know, go figure. Examining non-influenza virus uh especially the odds of both coronavirus and human metanomoviruses in vaccinated individuals were significantly significantly higher when compared to unvaccinated individuals so now if you go to the news media they're saying vaccine vaccinate get vaccinated But actually, the science is that it could make you more vulnerable to respiratory illnesses. And if you have a compromised immune system in your lungs, getting a vaccine for viruses, getting your flu vaccination, according to the science, makes you more vulnerable. They didn't tell you that. They didn't tell you that in the news. No, they didn't tell you a lot of things in the news and we're gonna, we're gonna share some of those. But we're gonna start moving along a little quicker here and, uh, cover a lot of these different, uh, things that they're not telling you in the news but are well published that are actually in the data that we're getting. And, uh, then we're gonna get into what you can do to make yourself safer. We'll be right back. We talk a lot about the kingdom here and we talk a lot about what most churches are afraid to talk about or don't even know to talk about which is what the first century church was really doing but just talking about it is not enough we encourage everybody to join us in their local neighborhoods in their local communities to find out more about what they can do to seek the kingdom of god and his righteousness Gather with others who are already starting this road or starting to turn around and do things differently. Join us on thelivingnetwork.org or at hisholychurch.org. Go to the network links or go to preparingyou.com. Join the network there. It's all the same. And we'll try to hook you up with people in your local area. They will not be perfect, they don't walk on water, they are not necessarily saints but they are talking about seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And join us on Facebook. Facebook Facebook.com His Holy Church. All one word. Join us there. We'll give you updates so you can start doing some studying and thinking about these things and start looking into these things for yourselves. You must become a doer of the word. So, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, we're we're talking about this coronavirus uh and viruses in general and problems in general. And one of the greatest contagions out there right now seems to be fear. I've gone into uh the town. We don't go into town very often, but I was in town and I was watching people, you know, grabbing toilet paper off the shelves. I actually avoided buying any toilet paper. Uh, Just because I was almost embarrassed by the pandemonium that's out there. But looking at the people, looking into their eyes, looking into their hearts and minds, fear is rampant. Fear is rampant because faith is missing. Now, I also see amongst a lot of people saying, oh, we just have to trust in the Lord. And I've seen that the other extreme. And, but I also look at their eyes and they're kind of glazed over a little bit uh, as if they're avoiding seeing the whole truth. And this is why when I talk about the gospel of the kingdom, I try to bring the whole truth to you because these people have a habit of not seeing the whole truth. It, it is absolutely amazing when you point out the things that Christ specifically said. The apostles, the warnings. That they repeated, Peter, Paul, repeated over and over again. I am concerned. I'm concerned about what people are thinking because they're not seeing the whole truth. So anyway, like I said, more than 99% of the Italy's coronavirus fatalities were people who were already suffering from previous medical conditions. Many of those extremely life-threatening conditions, yet there's been 103-year-old women, 98-year-old women who have uh, got the virus and recovered and are continuing to live. So it's not foregone conclusion. Some of these people were close to death when they got ill convalescent home was the first one of the first sources of deaths and they had a large number of deaths in that convalescent home and without the disease getting into that convalescent home evidently from workers from Canada who Chinese extraction I mean it's not Chinese people's fault that this is taking place that that's just where the virus showed up as in Wuhan and like I pointed out before to many people Wuhan is the storage, is the location of the storage, for largest storage facilities for viruses. You wouldn't think people want to store those viruses, but they do it for testing. In the world, it appears in the world. I mean, there may be some we don't know about, but there it's a very large facility. And it's, it's the evidence, they've already come out and said, well, no, it wasn't from bats. They know it was not from bats. It did not start in the marketplace. It may have been connected to bats at one time, but it is a human virus that is passing in the human population. You you can't cough on a bat and make him sick with this. But what uh, the reality is is this is this came out of that area of the of this storage unit and now it's in the human population. And so, what can you do about it? It goes on in this one article by a virologist. Uh, Rome-based Institute has examined the medical records and just three victims of all the victims in Italy that they have examined had no previous diagnosed pathology. doesn't mean that they didn't have a pathology or they didn't have a problem, but they were not already in care for a pre-existing condition. So... It is the people who are already compromised and sick that are dangerous, this is dangerous to. Do you want the rest of society to get this? They're going to get it. They're going to get exposed. Most of society will eventually be exposed to this. You want to protect the vulnerable, but most of society will be exposed. They will get it. They will develop a natural immunity by producing the antigens that protect them from further infection. And you will develop herd immunity and it will not be able to travel through society. And society will be safe. If you slow it down, you're slowing down the potential of getting to herd immunity. And since this is late in the flu season when this is showing up, when we get into summer and the temperatures rise and people get out more and the contagion really slows down, Then, if you haven't already developed herd immunity, you may have to revisit this virus next year in order to develop that herd immunity. So slowing it down, there's certain good things about that, but there's certain bad things about that. What you do to slow it down can actually be causing more damage to society economically. You damage society economically. You damage the livelihood of people. You, you, there actually will be people that will go hungry. Now there's a lot of great things happening because people are actually stepping up, at least in our community. We have what they call the Christmas Valley Angels. I, I was gonna to talk to the people that started that. And what they do is they go around and make sure that old people and people and and uh, that are more vulnerable are, that they are getting the supplies that they get and they do it in a safe way. And they're checking on their neighbor, and they're helping their neighbor, and that's a good thing. But they really ought to call it the American Angels, because that's what made America great, and that we just have a Christmas Valley um, branch of that. Now, there are people in, in Paisley doing the same thing, and people in Lakeview doing the same thing. These are all the towns in this Lake County, one of the largest counties in Oregon, but it's one of the least populated counties in Oregon. But people are commonly stepping up and helping one another because we live so far there is no major cities in in this county you know if you want to go to a major town a semi-major town you got to drive for two hours to get there because we're remote there has been no tested cases you know confirmed let's put it that way confirmed cases of coronavirus in this county but again We'll look at that testing later. We may have to get that in the third hour this afternoon. But, uh, more than 75% had high blood pressure. About 35% diabetes. Third suffered from heart disease. All these people were very vulnerable and they got sick and they died. This is not killing millions of people. It is not, it is not that dangerous of a virus. By all the statistics coming in from even Italy, which was hit very hard. Why was Italy hit so much harder than other places? Well, Italy has a very high number of elderly and vulnerable people. And many of their elderly are taken care of in the homes. And this virus is going through the homes and through the population. Like I said, if half the people who get it don't show any symptoms, it's going to spread rapidly. It also spreads, you know, it doesn't spread through the air, but it spreads by droplets if you cough out there and you're vulnerable when you cough. Now, you know, I've coughed several times during the show, but I have, I am a vulnerable person. I'm way over the age of those that are vulnerable. <laughs> But I already had a virus that looks like coronavirus. It probably was a coronavirus. And uh, everybody in our family that is living here right now, right outside uh, in our guest quarters, we have somebody who's in the business of studying diseases and the remedies for those diseases and cures for those diseases. He happened to be in the country him and his wife are in the country to go to symposiums at Stanford University to study this very subject and topic matter that we're talking about today. The Stanford's been shut down, and now they're trying to get back to their home country. And all the airlines are shut down, and their only chance of getting out with before their visa expires, they they're over here on a educational visa because they were going to go and hobnob with all these other virologists and and pathologists and and study uh, diseases and everything, what they do in their field of expertise. And it's all been shut down, and so now they have to return. (laughs) So anyway, uh, we've been talking to them a lot. I've also, uh, in the house, actually was in the house a few minutes ago, was uh, somebody who's been on the phone getting debriefed and briefed by uh the president of the united states been on the phone with the governor of the oregon and is uh, heading up the command uh, central for the government of oregon for this and he's very familiar with what's going on uh i have other sources in our network that have been feeding me information plus doing the obvious research like i said that is right online now that will tell you that some of these like the computer estimates uh, can't weigh all the real risks of uh, this virus or any other virus, and many of these models are proven to be inaccurate. Uh, the Hoover Institute uh, suggested that the total number of cases worldwide will peak out at well under a million. That's the total number of cases. But again, even that statistic of cases, if half of the people show no symptoms, they're not getting tested. We don't even know they are those cases. If, uh, and then, then we can go into the, looking at the, uh, tests, uh, that, that would make the death rate around 50,000. Well, the death rate annually is 35 to 40,000. So if nobody ever even mentioned the word coronavirus, we never even heard the word, and this was undetected in China and going around and we didn't develop tests to, to look for this particular virus, this would have been a bump according to these uh the Hoover Institute, a, a mere bump in the numbers of the regular viruses, flu viruses that we experience and the death rate that we normally experience every year. When I was working at a convalescent home some fifty years ago and we had the flu season go through, you would see the gurneys from the morticians lined up in the hallways. This happens every year in convalescent homes. People die. That they, They're old. They're they're weak. They're, they're vulnerable. It was so hard to get the help not to come to work when they were sick because the cold that they will just have for a couple of days will kill the patients in a convalescent home. This has been going on for a long time, but you haven't had this scare tactics of the media to get everybody worked up. So they say the... So they have these computer models that are predicting ridiculous amounts of deaths that could be real and a real threat, but it doesn't appear that that's what's actually taking place. The alternative says the reports is 4 million Americans dead, yet the Hoover Institute just said worldwide we're talking 50,000 dead. But nobody's using their study, reputable study. They're using somebody else's study that is predicting these uh, huge amounts of death, yet when we've seen the coronavirus moving around in societies now, it, it traveled rather quickly because most of the people who get it don't even know they have it. And so they say that we'll have all these deaths because of lack of ventilators. And, uh, now they've even increased the percentage of ventilators. But these are ventilators for people that are already at death's door and get the, get the illness because people aren't doing the proper precautions that they need to do. And getting the vaccination doesn't seem to be one of them because evidence is, according to CDC and to these medical reports, is that if you get the vaccination, you're more vulnerable to these respiratory viruses that go around. So anyway, there are other uh, hysteria skeptics. There are people that are talking about like uh, John P.A., own nitus a professor of medicine and epide- uh, epidemiology <laughs> and statistics at Stanford University, which I knew about, you know, I re- read his report even before I had somebody who was going to be attending Stanford, <laughs> uh, living in, in our guest quarters. But, uh, he assumes that the fatality rate among individuals infected by this SARS Cov-2, which we see the disease is what they call COVID-19, but the actual virus is a SARS virus. It's a respiratory virus. In, in the general population, a mid-range guess from the Diamond Princess analysis uh, is that 1% of the U.S. population gets infected, About which would be about 3.3 million people. The This would... Translate into about ten thousand deaths, which is far less than what we would normally get in a flu season. Of course, we have the real flu season on top of that. But again, those deaths will be amongst the the most elderly. The the Diamond Princess, you know, they were all quarantined. They were all tested, and this is where we got the statistic that most of the people who get it don't even show symptoms. Uh, everybody recovered, and but who was on a princess? diamond princess cruise what was the mean age what what were they eating what were they consuming what was their pre-existing conditions no deaths everybody walked off that ship with lifetime immunity to the coronavirus this particular coronavirus and uh, their immune systems might have been stronger they, they may have damaged some of the ones who got very sick they may have damaged their lungs a little bit and this will have an account through the rest of their life, uh, or they may completely 100% recover with total lifetime immunity. You know, some people are worrying about this 68 deaths from Corona uh, COVID-19 in the U.S. as of March 16th will increase exponentially from 68 to 680 to 6,800 to 68,000 to 680,000. That's not the way it works. They're not understanding how viruses progress. That is not a realistic scenario. But that you hear this kind of stuff on the news, but it's from people who don't actually know what they're talking about. It's almost as if they're trying to create panic. And the reality is many of the news media, we've seen this over the years, and we should become immune to that if we're willing to see it, is that the media... Thrives on hype. They get you to watch their show because they scare you. And they tell you next week we're going to tell you more. U.S. death rate due to the Wuhan flu is much lower at the same stage of outbreak than most of the other high spread countries like Italy and even Korea. Uh, Korea that is spread rather rapidly anywhere from 80% of the infections in adults to 95% of the infections in children appear to be mild to moderate cases overcome in about 2 weeks uh with the rest at home uh they even had CBS news correspondent Seth I guess Erdogan uh, uh he actually went to work and and, and you know so so what's the, the big threat? Most people are not threatened by this virus. It is true that we should be protecting those that are in danger, but why are we shutting down the economy to protect, uh, people that, you know, again, that, that figure of two weeks, that's the people who show symptoms. Most of the people you know, it's 80 to 95% of the people who get the infection are just going to get better in a couple of weeks. Some get better in a couple of days. Some get better in a couple of hours. Some never even know they're sick. And that is spreading herd immunity. That's how it works. That's how we become safe as a society. But for some reason now... You know, we had people campaigning, going to give you free stuff, going to give you free stuff. All the Democrats, you know, Bernie Sanders, they were all like fighting for whoever is going to get elected is the one who promises the most free stuff. Well, now the present president, I'm not picking on him, is offering trillions of dollars in free stuff to people all over the United States and even over the world. And supposedly fighting a virus... That is it's going to go all over the world anyway. It's just going to slow it down a little bit. And slowing it down, as I said, because you're going to get through the flu season, the temperatures are going to warm up, it's going to stop spreading, and you will not have arrived at herd immunity. So it will come back next year or the year after, but it will come back. And uh, we're going to do this again. No, there's actually much better remedies. There's many, many things you can do to make yourself less vulnerable. I mean, we have to realize death is not a good thing. We don't want more death. We want more life. But how do we get to the place where we have more life? There's a Richard Epstein at the Hoover Institute writes in a series and says that there are serious flaws in the prediction of these one million Americans that will be death. The, these models that they have made radically overestimate the ultimate death toll. That's what he's saying. He, he knows his stuff. He says, first, uh, they underestimate the rate of adaptive responses in the people. Like I said, most people will not even get sick. They'll get the virus and you will not even see symptoms. They will just get sick, get better, and you don't even know they were sick. Second, the model seems to assume the vulnerability of infection for, the, for uh, older populations from 70 and upward. That's me. I'm the vulnerable population. But they don't give some clue as to the rate of spread over the general population. They don't seem to understand how you get to herd immunity, which we have been doing for thousands of years. This is what, there are a lot of very healthy Indians in America today surrounded by all the diseases that came from Europe and they don't get them anymore. So, how does this work? You know, a 30 says the model rests on a tacit but questionable assumption that the strength of the virus will remain constant throughout this period when in fact its potency should be expected to decline over time in part because of the temperature increase, which we've already talked about, that will come with summer, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. And uh, it's actually still pretty warm in Australia and most of the Southern Hemisphere. But uh, even in our summer is their winter. But the reality is, is that this virus will continue to live in society, and society will continue to be vulnerable to it, but we will see it disappear away. So why is all this happening? Why is all this going on? I could go into, you know, like Victor Davis uh, Hansen, uh, who is an American military historian and a columnist and a former classic professor and scholar of ancient warfare. He was a professor of classics in California and State University in Fresno and currently uh, the Martin and Il Anderson Senior Fellow at Stanford University again and in the Hoover Institute and is also a visiting professor at the Hillsdale College since 2004. He says the massive curtailment of the U.S. economy can have as many health consequences as the virus itself. If millions lose income and jobs and become depressed and self-isolation, increasing smoking, drug, alcohol use that postponed out of fear of necess- necessary buying and visits to the doctors and the hospital for chronic and serious medical conditions unrelated to the virus. So, this idea that we're going to be saving lives by shutting down the economy, he says, is not actually the case. We plunge the nation into a depression that kills many businesses And addicts millions to welfare in a nation that has already pledged more welfare than it can afford for at least the next three generations. Because of this depression, many people died due to poverty, lack of medical care, and despair. Millions more transform from workers to takers causing faster implosion of our already mathematically impossible welfare state. That's what's taking place now. Why is that taking place? Well, you know, I'm running out of time here. We'll end up taking another break. But in the second half, I will talk about some of that. But he goes on to say the nation's quarantine only at risk populations and those with symptoms like South Korea has, and ensures targeted and temporary taxpayer support to those groups goes nuts cranking out ventilators, other crisis equipment such as temporary hospitals using emergency response crews while the rest of us keep calm, wash our hands and take extreme care with at-risk groups and carry on. That's what he's saying that we should be doing. Just... Cranking out those ventilators, keeping our distance, self-imposed. Not shutting down the whole economy. Why did they shut down the whole economy? And did they know they were going to have to do this last year? Well, I'll ask a couple of questions and then we'll answer them in the next half. But why did so many CEOs retire in the last six months? Far more than normal were retiring. Why Why did they all retire? Well, they can exercise their stock options and sell their stocks. We see, you know, Feinstein, before this virus threat crashed the stock market, she sold $6 million in stocks. Richard Burr sold $1.6 million in stocks. He knew the virus was coming and sold $1.6 million in stocks. Others, both Democrats and Republicans, were Bailing out of the stock market before it crashed because they had insider information. We know that. But the CEOs seemed to know before the virus was even in the population that they needed to sell these stocks and they've been selling them off for months and months and months. If they didn't know about the virus. Why were they bailing out? Because they knew that there was a market correction coming, we call it a correction, but it's devastating. Trillions of dollars in wealth are changing hands now under the guise of this giant threat of a virus, which appears, according to the people that actually know, Stanford University, other institutes who actually study this on a regular basis, know it's not that big a threat. And by slowing down the exposure, we're actually creating, and especially with these tactics of shutting down the economy, we're actually endangering everybody. More when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. Okay, well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So we've looked at studies from London and studies from Stanford uh, University and from other institutes that say that this virus is not that dangerous. It's a dangerous virus. Every time there's a virus, a flu going to society, people die. It's usually the most elderly or the most sick or the most immune-compromised people in society. And so what you want to do is help protect those elderly people, those sick people, and, and keep them in isolation and quarantine. But you can do that without shutting down the entire economy. And we know that the economy is overblown, we can go and talk about that, and other times we just don't have a time to do it, and I want to get to some of the solutions of what you can do so that you can have life more abundant, other than seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, because that's really what you should be doing. And that means you should be doing what Christ commanded, which he commanded that we sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start loving our neighbor as ourselves and caring for one another through faith, hope, and charity rather than fealty, force, and and uh, fear, which is the way that the world does it. The world, you know, nobody's giving away trillions of dollars of their money To help out the airlines that are getting hard hit, to help out the other industries, the restaurant industries that are getting hard hit and all the unemployment that they are creating, not the virus creating it, they are creating it based on their choices. They're going to give them trillions and trillions of dollars and create trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of debt that your children are going to have to pay off or the entire system will collapse. Which we may be seeing the beginning of that. I think things will go on. We will see this kind of fade away, but it will come back. They know now that they can implement martial law as long as you don't call it martial law. Because the people don't know what's going on. They cannot, they sit in darkness. They cannot see what is really going on. They don't know how to take care of themselves and their neighbors the way we used to know in America. They have lost that skill. And we need to bring that back. And the best way I know from being a historian myself is to do it the way Christ commanded that we do it. Which is to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and uh, get into a network based on faith, hope, and charity. Which was what the early church was. It was a network of small congregations, synagogues, ten families that networked together through these ministers that met the criteria of Christ. Most ministers today are not doing what Christ said. The vast majority, 99% of the ministers out there claiming to be the ministers of Christ are not doing what Christ said to do. And so, we need to repent and think like Christ and do it the way Christ said to do. So, anyway... We'll mention the testing. The the testing for this coronavirus is what they call a PCR test. And and if you listen to David Crowe, who's a Canadian software uh, telecommunications engineer with a degree in biology. Why? Because his software engineering has to do with biology. And expert in uh, global infections such as SARS, Ebola, and the flus, including the coronavirus He says that this is an irrational panic. That, uh, that we do not actually, are, are not actually, uh, finding out what is going on because our test, this PCR test, is a test, uh, of an unproven test of RNA. They don't really know. They came up with this test. It's the best they had. They're talking about developing better tests, cheaper tests, faster tests. But they're simply testing the RNA, uh, which is a polymerase chain of uh reaction that they're looking at. And he says the coronavirus is a quote, the coronavirus test is based on PCR a manufacturing technique when used as a test, it does not produce a positive negative result, but simply the number of cycles required to detect genetic material. The division between positive and negative is an arbitrary number of cycles chosen by the tester. If the positive means infected and negative means uninfected, then there are cases of people going from infected to uninfected and back to infected again in a couple of days. So the people that we know that were tested for coronavirus in our community... Received this PCR test. And it may be totally inaccurate. It may, it, you know, they say, oh well, no, they were tested, they don't have it. No, that, that's not the way the tests work. You could have had it, you could, you could test, you know, if you had tested three days before, they, it would have, they would have said it was positive. They got it. But you test three days later and they say they don't have it. Because the test is not really what we think of as a positive-negative test. It's not that kind of test. They don't have any other tests available yet, but that's all they have. So your data and information is incorrect. And, of course, if they developed a test that could actually, based on this isolated RNA of the virus, of the that you can actually tell that person or the antigens of the virus, If we could test and say, oh, this person has the antigens. He has been exposed. We did this with polio. And they went about and did the test with polio. And they discovered that 95% of the people that got polio got better, never had any symptoms. Which is why we developed herd immunity to polio before they came out with a vaccine. And then they came out with a vaccine. And most of the cases after that were actually from the vaccine. Now, that people say, oh, that's crazy. Why do you even say that? Well, I say it because the guy who developed the vaccine said it in sworn testimony in front of Congress. That's why I say It's because the experts said it. The news media didn't tell you that. Your school books aren't telling you that. CDC tells you that. But they tell you that in... A mountain of information from the CDC. and uh, But you're not hearing that. You're not finding out about that. Because your sources of information aren't from the kingdom. Your sources of information are from the world. And the world is not telling you that. Because if you're afraid, the world has more control over you. If you actually are living by faith, you will hear this message of the gospel of the kingdom. And you will also hear the truth in many other areas. So if the virus exists, he goes on to say, then it should be possible to purify viral particles from these particle RNAs can be extracted and should match the RNA used in this test. Until this is done, it is possible that the RNA comes from another source, which could be the cells of the patient, the bacteria, fungus, you know, because all, most of the things that live in you, most of the living cells that live in you, that's not you. That's bacteria that lives in you that is essential for you to live. Did you know that viruses are essential For some creatures to survive, they need viruses to survive. You need viruses moving through your population in order to become immune to things. To get that robust immune system, you need to exercise your natural biological systems of immunity. That strengthens you, it strengthens your society, it strengthens the children that you give birth to because you are developing a robust immune system. It's a part of nature. And you should be nurturing your immune system, strengthening your immune system. But, uh, you know, Crow uh, mentions false positives and there is a shocking new Chinese scientific paper that calculated the false positives rate for asymptomatic patients as 80%. So that they can't even tell. Uh, That is 80%. That's 80% not correct. It used to be 30%. If you got more than 30% wrong, that's a fail. This is built-in fail system. So anyway, as we said, many people were dumping stocks. This, what you're seeing now is this economic dearth that we saw in the first century church that were societies were, their economies were collapsing, famines were coming, food shortages were coming. I mean, there is no food shortage in America today, but there is food shortages at the store. There are bare shelves. I've never seen so many bare shelves. And this, is, I've had reports from one end of the country to the other. This is going on all across the country, in some places, all the way around the world. Because of panic. If you're walking out of the store with three bundles of toilet paper when there is a shortage, you're not a Christian. Because, you know, I actually, I was supposed to pick up bleach. It was simply because the bleach bottle that we had was way down and we didn't have another one behind it. Usually we always are stocked up because we live so far from town. And so I was supposed to get bleach and I go to the aisle where the bleach is in a major store and there's nothing on the shelf. There is no bleach on the shelf whatsoever. Uh, Actually, there was some of the twice as expensive bleach over there that was the aromatic, you know, scented bleach. We don't usually get that. And so I was about thinking, uh, well, I guess I could have to get the double costing scented one, even though that's not in order to have some bleach. And we didn't, we wanted the bleach just because we use bleach now and then. But anyway, my daughter saw behind a, a, a display, there were two bottles of bleach that people had missed. And so I could take both of those. But I wouldn't take both. I only took one. And I left the one for other. I did that later on in the day when I finally found some flour. And about the fourth store, we <laughs> I, 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 we were headed out. We'd already left town, but there's another town, we, a small town we passed through. And I said, let's go to this other store. And we went there, and I found one little bag of flour. We don't really need the flour, but my wife requested a little bit of a different kind of flour. And so I found two bags of pastry flour left on the shelf in one store. And of course, in my habit, I took one, leaving the other one for somebody else. I was in the next aisle and I heard a guy said, I suppose there's no flour. He's talking to his wife. And I overheard him talking as they were, he was very calm going through and they were picking up a few items. And I said, I left one bag for you. <laughs> but it's only pastry flour. And I said, I left it for, I saw him when I was again leaving the store. He had that one bag. But he, he clearly, in his cart, he was only taking what he needed. He wasn't. He he considered the feelings of other people, and that's what Christianity is all about. You care about others that they get what they need. And of course, we we're already sharing with other people. We're checking on the elderly in our community, and uh, you know we're do, we've been doing that all all the time. That's what we do. And uh, we're trying to help other people that have have health issues as well. And we're showing them how they can fix their uh, system. We have a guy who has uh, you know, multiple myeloma, which is a pl- uh, cancer of the plasma. And we're trying to say, you know, you need to change your diet. And he's debating whether or not to get chemotherapy or go get this $30,000 therapy in Mexico or whatever. And I says, change your diet. And he says, well, it's too late for that. And, and i can show you people who had multiple myeloma who changed and, and were on death's door already had chemo twice and were dying i mean they were bedridden dying they're up hiking around now they've been well for years and years and years and they owe it all to the fact that they changed their diet that their particular diet the way they change and everybody's different and you need to find people who actually have experience in this and, and know about this and help each other learn what we have forgotten how to do. But they, they went on a keto diet. Now that's not, the, there's all kinds of keto diets, but the, they, they started living the way we used to live in the old days on, on a diet not filled with carbs and carbohydrates and sugars and all that stuff. Anytime you consume sugar, you're going to affect your immune system. If you have a really, really robust immune system, you could probably drink Gatorade right through the flu virus and survive. But it could be better. Everybody we know who's had, did go on the chemotherapy, and a lot of people we don't know but heard about, who went on the chemo uh, and had changed their diet, there's a variety of diets. Some of them go all vegetarian. Keto is not vegetarian, it's meat and fats. And other proteins and fats. But, so people, everybody's different. Everybody's problem's different. Everybody should try different things. And, uh, but there's an educated guess and there's also a spiritual enlightenment that helps you figure out what to do. And so, diet is a huge thing. Uh, I, I did a number of hot baths that really helped me get better. I mean, seriously, seriously hot baths, sweaty hot baths, and then go get covered up and everything. That's helped me considerably. There's other things that you can add to your diet. I just heard from somebody whose whole family came down sick in another part of the country. He talks about this hot air where you actually breathe in hot air for a couple of minutes, and you do that a couple of times, you know, two times if you have no symptoms, five times if you have symptoms, and there's a way to do it. Then you get... Get on our network and ask and we'll send you the links. there are people on our network who know and show you how to do that because with this airborne or it's not really airborne, but you get it to your nasal passages and uh and to your sinuses that the virus dies when you get heat it also dies in sunlight, you know like I said, it can live for days and days and days on stainless steel inside of a building. The Stainless steel out in the sun, it dies readily. And again, it doesn't really die, but it's literally made ineffective. It, it breaks it down so it cannot do what the the virus reproduces by getting into your cell or connecting to your cell and convincing the cell to reproduce the virus. It's your cell that is reproducing the virus. It, your cell should know that that virus is a lie and I, I should not be reproducing it. But it doesn't. And there are things you can do. And one of them is to seek the kingdom. And your body may learn eventually how not to do that. And how not to be subject in that way. So anyway, uh, uh, I, I posted a thing on Facebook. And Facebook took it down. I got a notice late last night that they, you know, arguing back and forth. They eventually allowed it to go through, but now I don't even know where that is. But uh, the people who couldn't see it now can see it. They have tremendous power over the control of the flow of information. But uh, it was found that uh, during the Spanish flu, which was not more virulent, we've had people dig up people that were frozen in the tundra since the days of the Spanish flu. They died of the Spanish flu. They've gotten that flu. They probably have some of it stored at the Wuhan (laughs) Institute. Uh, but they've tested that, and they found out that that flu is not more deadly. But it was the practices that we were doing, how we were treating it, what we were doing to the patients, and, and how we were handling the patients that were causing an increased death rate. One thing that decreased the death rate, decreased the spread of the Spanish flu, was the hospitals overflowed, and they set up tent hospitals, where they put a couple of patients in each tent. And during the nice days, sunny days, warm days, they brought them out of the tents and set them in the rows between the tents. And they were exposed to fresh air and sunlight. And the death rate went down by 43% amongst the severely ill patients. They were still doing some things wrong. They were giving too much aspirin. I mean, they gave 30 grams of aspirin to patients a day. That could have killed them by itself. But it, it when it, it was affecting the lungs, it caused pneumonia and uh, other problems. But there are lots of things that we could go into, lots of things you should learn about your health. But hospitals for years had cross ventilation, large windows, high ceilings. Uh When the people were on that uh Princess Cruise they're recycling air almost everybody who gets on an airplane you're breathing recycled air that's not good for you you want open air good ventilation sunlight proper diet uh, and some other practices like hot baths saunas you know but you have to do this in a reasonable wise way again where did we start with all this? We have to be as wise as the serpent, but as harmless as doves. We have to care about other people's lives as much as we care about our own. That means we have to love our neighbor's children as much as we love our children. We have to love our neighbor's elderly parents as much as we love our elderly parents. We want to extend life even at our personal sacrifice. Isn't that what Christ was teaching you? If we were doing that, this coronavirus would strengthen society, not weaken it. It would strengthen our economy because that principle, that way of thinking Would become pervasive in our society. And that's why we all need to become American angels. Angels to our neighbors. Angels to our society. Caring about others. And what will happen, because we are the way, that is the way and the truth and the light and the life of society. We will not sit in darkness. So it is very important that we do what Christ commanded. Ministers need to start conforming to the way in which Christ said ministers should operate and should interact with each other in a network of charity that reaches all around the world. That's what we should be doing. That's what Christ did. That's what saved tens of thousands of Christians as Rome collapsed, as its economy collapsed crumbled as its politicians became more and more corrupt. And as diseases moved through society and Mount Vesuvius erupted and earthquakes were felt around the world, all these things taking and breaking down society, Christians were thriving because they were thinking a different way. But they were real Christians. Now, of course, many of the early Christians or people professing to be Christians we're not real Christians. And when we see Paul dealing with that, warning them, hey, you're, and James warning, if you're not doing what Christ said, that's evidence that you don't really believe in Christ. If you really believe in Christ, you would not be coveting your neighbor's goods. You would not be looking to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. Because Christ said it was not to be that way with you. So you're not going to try to get another benefactor or a guy who calls himself a benefactor elected. Bernie said he was going to pay everybody's debts and and make health care right and, and do all these things. He is that benefactor who exercises authority. He's not going to do that with the money in his house. He's not going to do that with the money in his houses. I guess he owns three houses. He's going to do that with the money of your neighbor. That is not loving your neighbor as yourself. That is... That is operating by force, by fear, by fealty to take care of the needy of your society. That's public religion. We have articles called public religion. Go look it up at preparingyou.com so you understand what public religion was. The, The system of social welfare set up by the government of Rome was called the Roman imperial cult. Because once you were a member... You could not become an unmember. You know, if you buy insurance, you can stop buying insurance. You can let the policy lapse. And they won't cover you anymore. But if you buy insurance from the government by becoming a member of their system of social welfare, you can't quit. Because you're also a surety for debt. Which is another thing that Paul, that Peter, that James... Predicted That you would again become entangled in the elements of the world. You would become surety for debt. You would curse your children with that debt. You would become entangled again in the elements of bondage of the world. Because you're not really being Christians. Your churches are not operating like the first century church. Your home churches are are not doing what the first century church did. You get together, you say nice things, you tickle each other's ears, you talk about Christ and the wonderfulness of Christ. But you're not a doer of the word. If you were a doer of the word, you would be taking care of all the social welfare of the world, of the community in which you live, through faith, hope, and charity. And not, Be looking to men who call themselves benefactors, but use force, fear, and fealty to provide for theirs. Christ's way is a different way. Join the network at preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org. Start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And until then, peace on your house and may God be with you.